Hello everyone and welcome to the Brighton Bugle, the best place to get your Cali United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. On today's episode we look back on last weekend's defeat against Forest Green Rovers, which makes it one winning eight for the Blues, and look ahead to the battle of the two managers fighting to keep their jobs as United take on Bristol Rovers this weekend. How's it going, Dan? Can I just say, I think you, you faded that in and out lovely there. Well, it's automatic, you see. I've got it all yeah. prepared, you see. The problem is I've got to try and fit in my introduction perfectly into that bit. I don't want to leave too much of a gap at the no, end. No, it, it was just right today. Got, got it yeah. right this time. Yeah, yeah, not oh, bad, yeah. not bad. Yeah, just uh, not very enjoyable going watching United at the moment, is it really? <laughs> not really, no. There's a, there's a few positives to take from the games right now. I think it's very fair to say. Uh, we've got lots of things today. Did, you did say there's few, not there's a few there, didn't you? Yeah, yes, yeah. I said few. <laughs> just just, just, just there, to confirm for the listeners. Yes, indeed. Right, well, let's get straight into it, Dan. There's a lot to cover today. Um, straight into the news. Uh, first up, it's another bit of contract news, isn't it? It's uh, following on from John Mellish's contract extension last week. Club captain Callum Guy has now penned a new deal with the club to keep him at Brunton Park until the summer of 2023 with a one-year option also on top of that in the club's favour. So effectively, till the summer of 2024. Um, Guy hasn't really hit the heights in terms of his performances yet this season, Dan, has he, that he had last year? But he's still a quality player, isn't he? And and getting him tied down for this longer deal is good news, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. Um, He'll probably admit himself he's not been as good this season. Uh, you know, we don't know if his head was turned by the alleged interest in him or whether he's wanted to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'd like to think that now he's got the, the security because I know he's got a young family, a couple of yeah. young kids and that. You know, he's got at least a couple of years, if not three. Uh, you know, he can uh, knuckle down and hopefully get back to what we saw last season. Absolutely. Um, so former Derby, Bradford and Blackpool play. He's got he's played 61 times for an all-competition. Still not scored yet, has he? In fact, I did look before and he's only scored one goal his entire career. And I think that was in the uh, the old Pizza Trophy, for, for possibly for Blackpool or Bradford. I'm not sure which one. So he's not scored in his career. No, exactly. He's not scored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. But yeah, so no, good, good news to get him tied down. I mean, we all know there's going to be a release clause somewhere in there, but hopefully... As we rewarded with him a, a decent length deal, it, it should be quite a high amount. You'd, you'd hope on that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, next bit of news, um, bit of a surprise bit of news. This one wasn't it really? Um, the the club have confirmed that they've accepted an FA charge after the Sutton game. So this basically is in relation to Manny Mampala's first yellow card down at Sutton, isn't it? Um, when it happened, it was, it was when you watch it back now, it's one of those ones where he's sort of stretching for it and the player really kicks the bottom of his foot as much as anything. And there's a big overreaction. There's a little bit of handbags. I think one of their players goes flying in the air because he gets shoved, but there's nothing major in it. I mean, an FA charge for that? I mean, I don't know what was said in the, the melee, but it didn't look much, did it? No. Uh, I was I was on that side of the game mm. when it happened and it was just... Two folk going for the ball in the air, you know. One's come off worse, and everyone's ran in, and that was it. 
Yeah. You know, it's something and nothing, really. I mean, I personally don't think it was the second yellow anyway, so... Mm. Yeah, well, this was relation to the first yellow, wasn't it? Oh, sorry, the first, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was much of, much of nothing, really, wasn't it, really? I don't. I mean, it just sounds like a busybody referee. He's got nothing better to do than yeah, yeah. put a thing in, isn't it? But there you go. Um, so, yeah, the club have uh, accepted the charge, and they've got to give a, a written response, I think, don't they, to the charge as well, just to... I mean, it's one of those ones, we'll probably get a 500 quid fine or something. Definitely I saw, that, was it Mansfield and someone else got fined? I think it was a £1,000 each. Was it £1,000? Well, there you go. Yeah, so... Bit frustrating, but never mind. Um, and final bit of news, Dan. Uh, this one we were following uh, the other day, weren't we? Um, the reserves uh, were in action again in the Central Cup. Um, not quite as su- su- sorry, not quite as successful as they were against Fleetwood, were they? I think it's fair to say. No, uh, they got absolutely hammered five 0 by half time. Yeah. But when you look at the team, Preston put out, it was ridiculous, really. Wasn't I mean, it? I, I've got a list of some of the names here they've had in their team because, because essentially, what you got to remember is the Championship clubs. It's international break this week, so there's a lot of their players who are international players and players come back from injuries and stuff like that, who they want to get minutes under their belts, don't they? And get keep their fitness levels up. I mean, th- this is some of the players: Declan Rudd, goalkeeper. I think he was at Villa and Norwich for a while. Um, Joe Rafferty, I think he's played like 250 games for Rochdale and about another 100-odd for Preston. Paul Huntington, obviously, <laughs> 250 get appearances for Preston alone in his career. Uh, Scott Sinclair, he's been, he's been sold for millions of pounds in his career. Brad Potts, we all know well, he's had a very good career so far. Tom Barkusen and Josh Murphy. I mean, there's a couple more players in there as well. We've got a decent level of first-team yeah, experience yeah. for Preston. And then you look at our back line. What was it? Uh, Barnett, Ellis, um, Kilsby and uh, Leslie, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, three of those are second year YTS and one of them's a midfielder filling in at left back, basically. Yeah, so yeah. It, a real sort of tough afternoon for them. But the interesting thing that came out of this, wasn't it, Dan? That um, we had a, a trialist keeper playing for us rather than Lucas Jensen. Um, Adam Smith, um, the former Leicester... Um, Forest Green and Yeovil stopper uh, was in Nets with. He had a very busy afternoon, as we mentioned there. Yeah, he made. Uh, I know it sounds bad. He had five put past him, but he did mm. make a triple save from a penalty. Yeah, in the second half. So and he made a couple of other good saves as well. And when you read Gavin Skelton's comments and from a few people who were sort of listening to the game on pressing off anything, had a, an audio commentary for it, and also people who went to it. They all say, actually, we didn't play that badly. <laughs> we had chances. So. Yeah, I think we we did have chances, but it was just. Preston have obviously eased off after half time, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, there yeah. You go. but yeah, so I, I would not read much into that score, really. I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's just one of those things, isn't it? It's just bad luck. I think any other time, if we played that game, we probably would have been a much tighter contest. They would have had a, a weaker side out, Preston, I think. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we've got uh, Markham away left to play in mid November. Yeah, definitely. Um, right. Okay, then uh, let's get on to the match review bit that Dan. Um, Another game, another defeat. Um, it's now one winning eight for the Blues. They're comfortably beaten by, I've got to say, a very impressive and very, very, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Just, they just look like they knew what they were doing, the jobs were, didn't they? Forest Green Rovers. Uh, really or- well drilled outfit. Organised, well drilled, solid. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going up probably as champions, aren't they? Yeah, they they they, they look a side that really has got a bit of quality about them. Yeah. I mean, I mean I've, I've seen them on the, the Quest highlights a couple of times, and they just look slick, you know. And uh, yeah. uh, was it was it last season when Matt got injured and they dropped off yeah. a little bit, yeah. mm. you know? And uh, it's, it's obvious how key he is to them. So, 
But at the same time, Matt Steams has come in this season for them, hasn't he? And I think he's top scorer in the league. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> just goes to yeah. show you can find a player every now and then. So, I mean, I mean, it was better than Sutton. I'll say that. Oh, that's, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's working from a very, very low bar, though, isn't it? That, that's, <laughs> Incre- that's the problem. Inc- incredibly low. I mean, limbo-wise, up until Forest Green scored, we were probably the better team in terms of creating chances, mm. but we didn't take them. You know, there was a couple yeah. went whizzing across the six-yard box, you know, and, you know, they did get away, mm. got one, made it two very quickly, and then we all knew it was uphill from then. But yeah. at half-time, that game, before 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 they even scored, actually, we could easily have been 2-0, 2-1 up from the chances yeah. that had been in the game. Oh, yeah, we, we, we had some good chances. I mean, yeah, we, we had that pressure on, and Young probably should have scored. I mean, you've got to say it's a great save from their keeper, point-blank range, because yeah. Young's basically reacted to sort of, it was a crossing from Guy, wasn't it? And Mellish has done a really clever flick on, and Young's just done what he can to flick it towards goal, and their keeper's made a great save, and mm. I don't think there's much else Tory could have done, really, from the rebound. He just had to try and back heel it in there. The defenders swarmed him as quickly as possible, and... Yeah, other than that, you obviously got the two chances for Dickinson. I think the first one, I've, what, what I've done, I've watched back, because if you go on the iFollow, you can actually re-watch the match with the radio company commentary on it. And um, on that, James felt that Dickinson was shooting on his first chance. I don't no, think it was he was. More, from where I was in the B stand, it was more of a... It yeah. was more of a cross. It was a cross trying to find Tory, but Tory, yeah. if Tory had gone any further, he'd been offside. He basically had to yeah, hold his yeah. There wasn't much he could have done. The second one's a shot. He just drags it a little bit, doesn't he? Yes, That's yeah. Frustrating. Think it's a tighter angle, though, so it's a, it's a more difficult chance. Um, but yeah, it just from that from that point when you've missed those chances, you start to think, well, Forest Green are going to sort themselves the, out. The, the sort point, of chances you miss when you're not playing well. Yeah, definitely. You know, if, if we if we'd been Forest Green, we'd have put at least one of them in. Yeah, I mean, well, the prime example with the, with the second goal, which we'll get into shortly but I mean the first goal for a screen I mean it's far too soft in Dinsey isn't it I mean he, he had a good start to the game I thought he looked quite solid and he looked like he was you know good at the physical side of it but I've watched it back now and the corner comes in and he gets a bit bullied by Matt Matt gets ahead I, of him and cycles him but if you actually watch it carefully he's ball watching he's watching I, I, I also I also think Forrest Green had done a quick bit of homework because mm. those you know, Matt and Dinsey were were in oceans of space on their own. Yeah. Like Forest Green runners had dragged the rest of the defence away. And, you know, a, vet, a veteran seasoned striker like Matt mm. is going to get, you know, if he's got first go on a, a lad making his proper league debut. <laughs> Thank you very much, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah, there's only one winner, that. isn't there? Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you watch it back as well... What what Dinsey is doing as well is he's actually he's watching Toure and Ibu Adams who are having a bit of sort of a, a pulling match in the middle and Toure does enough to sort of drag Adams away from the ball. Yeah, yeah. And I think Dinsey is so busy watching that he doesn't realise that Adam that sorry, Matt is getting ahead of him. And it's it, it, it's an easy finish, isn't it? I think it's fair. Yeah, so, yeah. Um second goal I think Dinsey maybe gets a bit too tight on Matt with this as well. He maybe needs to sort of stand off him a little bit there. I mean, that, that's maybe in panic and knowing he's an experienced player and feeling he has to get tight every time. But it's a lovely flick from um, uh, Matt to play one-two with Nicky Cadden. He's a player, you know, me and you both really like. And uh, I mean, 
Feeney's maybe a little bit slow to close him down, but it's I, probably been overly critical there because it's a hell of a finish, isn't I, it? I, I think the strike was worthy of a goal regardless of any yeah. little mistakes by yeah. our defenders. I mean... I, I, I was sort of sat on the angle of it in the B stand mm. and it was rapier-like. Yeah, I mean, It was rapier missile crack. It was just whoosh. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were right behind it in the paddock and saw it go. My first reaction was, oh, maybe it's, you know, gone through... Norman's hands, but having watched it back now, it's so powerful. Norman is yeah, the, the chance the, to get him in. The pace is Past ridiculous. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant finish. It's exactly the sort of thing you wanted Dickinson to do at the other end, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, frustrating, but nothing much you can do there. So yeah, brilliant finish from Cadden. I mean, from that point onwards, we never look like scoring. That that young chance was our last, was our only shot on target, and yeah, we didn't have another one after that. I think you could maybe count Dinsey's volley in the second half, but it was it was blocked so close to him that it, it, can you really count that as a shot on target? I'm not, yeah, not convinced. Not really. Really. No, no. It, it was there's it a worrying habit in these sort of games when we're playing half decent teams. When we go one or two down, we suddenly look as though we could play to midnight and not score. Yeah, and it, it it doesn't matter what we've tried up front so far; it's just not happening, really, is it? This is an ongoing problem with Beach, though, isn't it? That from from pretty much from the point he's got the job, I think we've only picked up. I think it's something like eleven points from losing positions over the two yeah. years he's been in charge. And we've got f- five points a season, probably on average, roundabout. That's not a good record. No, it, it no. really isn't. It's that's worrying. You, if, if you can't, you've got to have an ability. I mean. One especially, thing say, especially when you look at how many times we go behind. Yeah, I mean, what the thing I say is when we when we played under Keith Curl for all his faults, you always had a feeling we could get ourselves back into games under him. You always had a feeling that we had the quality of players to, to drag us into it. I just don't see it. I'm really struggling. I mean, let, let's look back at the the starting lineup we picked on because it was quite a surprise when we saw it, wasn't it? We're all scratching our heads like, what, what's going on here? I mean, clearly yeah. we found out afterwards that Gibson and McDonald are injured, so you can accept that, that they've been taken out of the team for that reason. They're not even on the bench. So you've got to bring in players to replace them. But to then drop Miller to accommodate Riley at right-back and push Whelan into midfield. Someone, I mean, Whelan's been playing at centre-back all season. Did he maybe feel that Whelan and Feeney just wouldn't work as a centre-back pairing? And he had to have someone like Dinsay with a bit of you know, brute sort of force about him, you know, a big lad in there. I don't know. It just seemed a bit of an an odd decision, didn't it? Especially dropping Meller, who's experienced. I mean, you look at the defence that played that. I mean, I know Riley's played it right back before, but he's been a centre midfielder for us for his pretty much his whole time with us. Feeney's only playing, what, of his sixth or seventh first-team appearance. Dinsay's making his debut, and Jack Armour's not exactly, you know, experienced. He's maybe got 30 games under his belt now. You'd think you'd have one someone like Meller in there, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was, that was the first thing I thought was the complete lack of experience at the back mm. because Norman still hasn't played many games. No. Armour's only into his second year. You know, Riley was the most experienced and yeah. he was he was playing a position he can play, but we all know he's more effective in midfield, so it yeah. was... It was, like I say, it was head scratching, and it'll still have been reasons. But you know, it may be showed that reacting to a win over a bunch of academy players isn't maybe the way to go. No, definitely not. I think that whether that player had any influence on his decision to pick the team, I don't know. I mean, the first impression you get is it did because 
players who did well in that game. I, I think it did, I lineup, think, it, I think it did, but obviously injuries have also turned a hand as yeah. well. I mean, another player who came in who played against Everton was Gimme Toure, and I've seen a few people getting on his back and that, but I mean, it can't be easy for someone like him to have been left out in the cold for weeks and then suddenly get thrown in against Everton and then expected to start in the league game at the weekend as well. I know the professionals, people say you have to come in, but that, that must be tough for a player like him to, to, to suddenly mm. have that put on him. But I mean, I, I thought to be fair... I on, mean, on, on, on the flip side, there's the argument, though, that... You should be ready for your chance. Yeah, you know yeah. There's, there's there's two sides to it. But but, but with him, it's sort of different in that there's clearly been a bit of unsettled things going on behind the scenes with him, isn't there? Really? Cut to the chase. He's a babby. Maybe not so much a babby. I think he what he basically wasn't getting chances. He's like, yeah, well, I, I yeah. want to leave, which you can understand. You know, he's a what, 27, 28 now, and he, he wants to be playing football. And then, well, yeah. If we're demanding fees from him, why are we ever extended his contract? I don't know that that. That's puzzled me from the start. At, at, at present, it does seem probably the most bizarre decision of the end of last season, doesn't it? Yeah, it just looks like a weird one. What, what I would say from is though, actually, he got into some good areas and he and he, he looked at a threat. Yeah, he, he wasted that big chance. He should have scored. Well, should have hit the target at the very least with that chance he had. But compared against some of the other players, like the way Alessandro's played at the time this season... At least he was getting into good areas. Mm. He probably he probably needs a run of games to get him up to speed. Yeah, we can't yeah. afford to do that. That's the problem we've got. Yeah. We, we just can't. We've got no option but to probably take him out of the team for the next game, to be honest. That's <laughs> probably what will happen. But, uh, but there you go. I mean, Brad Young, he came in for his uh, first league start for us. Did pretty well, I think. I thought he was, I thought he was probably our best player. He, uh, he, he, was, he was making good runs. He always wants it. He's always shouting for it. He's not shy at getting stuck in. Uh, I'd like to see him with someone not threading balls through to him through the middle. I think he'd be brilliant there, but mm. that's not how we play at the moment, is it? So. Yeah, well, you're thinking maybe a clough just behind him. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah, I, I think he, he looks like he plays. He doesn't play with any fear, doesn't he? And no, no. I think he's so unlucky that header didn't go. If that goes in, that that gives him a real lift. I think yeah, he might yeah. start a really good player. There. He'll he'll still be buzzing from. I know. I know. We try not to talk about the trophy, but the lads, he's scored two goals, so he'll, he will be buzzing personally. Mm. You know. So yeah, and I, mean, I, I, I certainly think he deserves a little run off the back of it. Yeah, there was a bit of a bad reaction when he got subbed for Clough, but actually, to give Beach a bit of sort of leeway here he'd given the ball away a couple of times just before that and was looking a bit tired and I think that's probably the only reason he's come off really that his legs had maybe gone a little bit which you can expect you know with two games at a week at that age so so yeah um William in, in midfield didn't really work did it no it what because he played for a few minutes I, I'm sick of talking about this game I don't like it but because he played there for a bit against Everton's kids mm. that's that's not an excuse to make it happen you know, yeah. He was signed as a right back or right sided defender. Mm. I know Beach thinks he'll. Midfielder. I know Beach says he thinks he'll play in that position eventually. I know that's what a few people have said, but at the moment he's played best at centre back. And if 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 he wanted to make these changes in the game, why didn't you st- stick wheeling at right back rather than Riley? That that's what yeah, puzzled me yeah. a little bit. But but there you go. Um, Magnus Norman better performance from him. I think it's fair to say. Still not quite so confident on him with set pieces, but he made a few good saves, didn't he? He's, he's just one of these modern keepers. They're all mm. quite good at shot-stopping, but it's almost as though they don't get coached the basics anymore, mm. isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. It's but we'll, we'll have more on him shortly, anyway. So yes, we will. We will. Um, Brennan Dickinson, I think he he looked lively again. I, I think he's going to be our biggest attacking threat for much of this season. I think the way things are going, and I wouldn't be amazed actually to see him playing at left back a bit because Armour is struggling at left back right now, and Dickinson's played there quite a bit in his career, and he's an experienced head. What I would say is he's he's now on four yellow cards. He got a bit of a daft yellow card, didn't he, for <laughs> booting there like just before half time because he'd nicked the ball off him and he'd got away. Um, so one more yellow card, he gets a one-game ban, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Abrahams is also on free. He got one for a bit of a silly descent as well. Um, discipline seems to be dropping off a bit this season. I think we're, we're about average. We're about mid-table in the discipline table, but it feels to me like we're, we're keep picking up quite a few silly yellow cards so far this season. It's getting a bit frustrating, quite frankly. And yeah. You do wonder if that's a sign of a side that the manager's not really in control of right now. It's probably not his priority, to be fair. Yeah, well, it will be when he when he's playing to pick him up bands all over the shop. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like we mentioned there before, Dinzey did okay for his first twenty minutes or so. I mean, the, the, I think the goals knocked a bit of stuffing out of his confidence. But yeah, actually, he didn't do too bad, to be fair on him. I think he's. It, it, I mean, he couldn't have picked a much tougher start, really, could he? In terms of you know not, coming not. up against a, a really good, wildly experienced campaigner. Um, got to mention some of the post-match stuff. Um, I think James actually gave Beach quite a tough interview after the game. And not people are quite often critical of the interviews the club, you know, the radio company do with the club. You've got to understand local media are always going to have to be a little bit more cautious than someone just coming in who doesn't go every week, aren't they? Really, they're going to have to basically to- not toe the line, but you know. They can't just go in and say you're rubbish, basically, because <laughs> it's just that relationship then breaks down. But he was quite saying, oh, "Look, a lot of the fans are calling for you to go. A lot of the fans saying the football's dreadful." And Beach kind of sort of understood that things aren't good enough in terms of the results. But at one point, he used the word "excellent" to describe something to do with the performance. I'm sorry, but you can't be using the word "excellent" to describe anything in that performance. You just can't. No, it's, not it's, really. It's, it's, it's really misleading and. I don't think he's quite grasping how bad the situation is right now. Do you? Do you? No, he's. I don't want to say blinkered. Maybe he's, but I just. He's I a very positive he's, person, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's got the thing of. He still thinks it's very early days in the season, possibly. Mm. But actually, I mean, nearly we're, a quarter way through. Yeah, we're, we're ten games in. You know, after Saturday eleven, it's pretty much a quarter. Mm. And you know, unfortunately, we've won two out of ten, and we're not even scoring a goal a game. Yeah, that's that's just not good, is it? And you know. I think L- Lummy made a really good comment, and I think I was on the fans forumming, and I said I completely agree with this. That one of the things he needs to do is just drag a few of them out. And and what you do is, if if you're a smart manager, you pick on your experienced players, basically, even if they're actually not playing as badly as some of the others. Those players are smart enough to know that he's doing this to make a point to the rest of them, especially if an experienced player's actually played yeah, okay. Yeah. And the rest of them look thinking, bloody hell, if he's getting dragged out, I can't be doing very well, can I? So, I mean, the, the problem is we haven't got any experienced players in the team at the moment. So well, yeah, that, that's yeah. where we've got an issue. So, yeah, it's um, just, just it's one of those ones, isn't it? I, I suppose you should really look at it. Look, we're playing the team that's probably going to win the title this season. The score was only 2-0. You know, it, it's an improvement on Sutton, but there's not a huge amount of positive signs that we're actually going to drag ourselves out of this problem, is there? Mm, 
just, it's just depressing at the moment, isn't it? It's just, there's nothing really to get excited about. I mean, we're not even like totally shit like a Scunthorpe or an old one. Yeah. Because that can be vaguely exciting, you know, with sort of, say, in masochistic ways. Can I, you know, you can quite enjoy watching a rubbish team every now and then. We're just really, really <laughs> dull, know. aren't we? If I had to watch what was served up at Sutton every week, I think I'd go oh, loopy. Oh, maybe not, maybe not. But, you know, sometimes there's a bit of like a, a siege mentality about it. But at the moment, everyone just seems sort of resigned to accepting we're going to be having a bit of a struggle this season. And the manager, seems, manager seems to believe we're not. That's the problem. We're nailed on for 18th sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's... It, doesn't look great, does it? So uh, there's not really a huge amount to cover in that game. Is it, Dan? I don't think it's anything else you nah, want to cover in it now. Nah. Best just to leave it there, I think it's fair to say. All right then, guys, we'll be uh, back just in just a minute uh, after the halftime break to review the, or preview, sorry, the uh, Bristol Rovers game. So we're back in just a minute. Every different manager has got different ways of doing. And obviously the ones that I like the best are the ones who never use the playing surface, the stadium pitch, never, ever use it as a training facility. That's what I like best. I've had words with Roddy about the use of the pitch. I don't know whether he takes any notice of us. I get on all right with all the players, but I always call goalkeepers idiots. I'm, 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 which I say I hate keepers. Whenever I see keepers, I hate keepers. You know, they are trash. Dregs of the world, keepers like, because they, they scratch the turf off to make marks in the middle and to warm up, they come out an hour before the game kicks off. I mean, do you need to warm up for an hour? I just can't help getting worked up about it, mate. I don't know what it is about that clip, I just love it. Ted <laughs> Swain going off on all about goalkeepers yeah. and stuff like that. I'll have to get a few more clips from the, the Rod Squad uh, clip to put in there. Um, so yeah, we're into the second half of the show, and uh, this season, the second half of the show is being sponsored by the Carla United Supporters Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Carla United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee, and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East, and in Cumbria as well. They regularly meet up on away trips, as well as arranging many social events and sports games, and also doing fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. And uh, Simon from the London Branch has sent over a bit of details for this weekend's game against Bristol Rovers. He says, uh, for Bristol Rovers, the London Branch have got group travel on the 1031 train out of Paddington into Bristol Temple Meads. He says there are no trains running to Bristol Parkway on Saturday, although... To be honest, I probably wouldn't have advised going to uh, Parkway anyway because it's a bit of a trek to get there to um, Bristol Rovers ground anyway, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they're going into uh, Temple Meads and uh, their pre-match meeting pub is the Annex Inn on Neville Road. Um, what I would say to anyone going in the game, make sure you get early on the train because having spent a lot of time in Bristol in the past, it, it's quite a trek from the station up to uh, the Memorial uh, Stadium. So, uh so there you go. Um, so yeah, at the start of this section, we, uh, as usual, are going to speak to an opposition podcast. And this week, we spoke to Tom from the Gascast to discuss how both clubs have had a dreadful start of the season and whether this match is really is do or die for our respective head coaches. So here's the chat we had with Tom this week. Tom, uh, it's been five years since you guys were in League Two and you return this season. It's not really been plain sailing for Rovers, has it? I think it's fair to say. No, absolutely not. No, it's uh, it's been a pretty much a, a disaster. We're down down in twentieth, just just below you guys. Yeah, um, is up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's, it's not been the uh, return to League Two that uh, Joey Barton promised us so far. That's uh, that's for certain. I mean, what were your expectations coming into the season? Because I know that, uh, yeah, I think Bucky's had you as one of sort of the, the favourites, didn't they? And um, for, for, for us on our show, it was a mixed bag in terms of what we predicted because one of us actually predicted you to finish in the top three. I don't think I predicted to finish anywhere in any sort of thing. I think I had mid-table. And one of the other hosts actually predicted you to be a surprise struggler. So, yeah, I think fans of other clubs have always been, but ooh, Joey Barn, I'm not sure. We'll touch on him in a minute. But what were your expectations for this season? So, expectations-wise, I mean, the you look at the signings that we brought in. Um, Anderton, obviously, you guys know about. Yeah. Hughes from Accrington. You're looking at players like Sam Finley and Paul Coots. Brett Pittman from Swindon. You're looking at those players and you're thinking, yeah, they're, they're all at least League 2 quality, probably League 1 quality players. And you're thinking, right, squad's, squad's pretty decent. I mean, we thought that last season when we got relegated rock bottom of League 1. But, you know, so we're a little bit more, more um, reserved with our judgment until Joey Barton, basically, from when he took over last season, had basically said, um, as soon as it was confirmed we were relegated, he's like, right, next season we're getting promoted. And I'm building a squad to get promoted. And all the player interviews, especially when they came in, they said, can't wait to join Mr. Rovers, can't wait to get promoted. So he's uh, he made a rod for his own back, certainly. And I know we're going to go into him in a bit, so I won't see too much more. But essentially, a lot of gas heads were thinking, with, well, we are going for promotion. There's no two ways about it. That's what the budget's for. That's what the players have been recruited for and the manager's been stuck with for. It's obviously not turned out that way. So I think... A lot of fans either came into the season with the expectation we were going to get promoted or I kind of, me personally, I thought it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that at all. You don't buy all the best players and then suddenly you're going to be top of the league. It It's not that easy. So I was kind of thinking, do you know what? We are going to struggle, especially at the start of the season um, with all the new players and gelling. So I was kind of like, right, I think we're probably going to miss out on the playoffs, that was a roundabout where I had us. And, you know, so far we are, yeah, easily going to miss out on the playoffs. So <laughs> Yeah, quite comfortably, we're like, like us at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of that summer recruitment, um, I was looking through the squad before, and it, I mean, it's packed with experience and players who played at a much higher level. Is there a bit of concern, though, that there's a bit too much of the experience sort of player in the squad? There's a bit too much reliance on these older heads and not really the... The young talent coming through in the same way. I'm not sure where, where your squad lies in terms of average age compared against the rest of League Two, but it does seem like oh. it's one of those ones, isn't it? Is it? A lot of players who are sort of coming for their last paycheck almost. I know we've made that mistake a few times in the past. Oh, yeah. I, I think you're completely right. I mean, we signed Glenn Whelan on deadline day. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Um, he's still ancient. Uh, Leon Clark, 36, got injured uh, almost immediately. Um, it... The experience thing kind of stems, it follows on from last season where Ben Garner was given the reins in the summer. Uh, he's now at Swindon and he beat us on, on Saturday playing excellent football with Swindon. I can't, I can't fault his managerial now so far uh, by looking at what they've been doing. But essentially he was given the reins uh, over the summer, last summer, to say, right, rebuild Bristol Rovers with this new DNA young players, hungry players who we can sell on and, you know, get the best out of them and then sell them on, kind of like, you know, Brentford and yeah. crew do especially. 
So Barton's come in, said that they're not good enough, uh, shipped the vast majority of the mag and has replaced them with, like you said, experienced heads. And they look like they are old. I mean, a lot of these players are very old um, and they look it, they look really heavy in the legs. We've, we've got a couple of players who are a bit younger, a bit more pace, um, Anderson and um, Evans especially. But on the whole, we do look very, very slow. And what I think is most disappointing with, you know, you buy experience because you're almost guaranteed performances, but players especially like Mark Hughes at the back has been very, very disappointing. He's, he's dropped at the moment. I can't see him getting his, getting his way back into the team at the moment. Um, so we've, we've gone from kind of one extreme to the other and neither of them has worked. It's always, like you said, you need that kind of, you need that blend to, to make it work. Yeah, I mean, the way you described it, the club trying to, you know, like as you said last summer, you know, sign these younger players and build up a squad and that kind of thing and sell them on and you know, reinvest the profits is exactly what we're trying to do. The problem is we're doing it to the extreme, basically. That's that's the issue we've got. I just had a quick check there of your squad. You've got nine players of age 30 or over. We've got two and one of them is only just 30 as well and the other one's 32. And it is quite extraordinary how many experienced players you actually have got in your squad looking at that. Let's talk about the manager now then. Joey Barton, he's a man who divides opinion, shall we say. Um, certainly not one to uh, go about his job quietly. Um, I think actually people sort of look back and he actually did an okay job at Fleetwood when you look at the job he did there. It wasn't, you know, the bad manager I think everyone expected he probably would be. But he's really struggled with you guys. And I've noticed that he's he's been blaming Ben Garner a lot actually for the issues you're still having now. What's the fans' opinions on him so far? Is he sort of teetering on the edge of potentially losing his job? Um, so, no, <laughs> uh, is the short answer. Um, while Arcadi, the, the owner, has come out and publicly backed him and said he's not going anywhere, uh, I think that was last night and the night before he came out and said that on an ITV interview. So I don't think he is teetering on the edge. But saying that, I think fans are losing patience with him. I mean, he took over a, a bit of a poison chalice last season. We we weren't really good enough uh, with the squad we had and he didn't improve us that much. He did improve us a little bit, but we the constant sniping at ex-managers and kind of playing down the group saying they're not good enough, uh, they've got a losing mentality, all this kind of stuff. I'm thinking, you're trying to get these players to perform <laughs> out of their skins and get themselves out of trouble and you're turning around and saying... Oh yeah, no, they're they're rubbish. They haven't had a preseason. They're not fit enough. They're this. They're that. Which fine if that's your belief. But then he went on to say, "Wait till I get my players. They'll have a proper preseason. They're going to be superhuman." And that hasn't materialised yeah. essentially. And I think that's where Rovers fans have started to lose patience because, as much as yeah, he comes with a lot of baggage. You can kind of accept it if he gets results. Um, and he's not got the results. And I think the constant blaming of old managers, I th- he made some incendiary comments about Ben Garner just before we played them on Saturday. I'm thinking, you're just writing his team talk yeah. for him. <laughs> and also then to go and play him, play against his team and get absolutely... I mean, 3-1 was flattering for us, yeah. I have to say. And to get absolutely played off the park by Ben Garner's Swindon, I mean, it was just... As much as you never want to see your team lose, I was kind of like in the back of my mind, I was thinking if he 
gets one over on you here, you deserve it because you've been yeah. running your mouth. So I think fans are running out of patience with him. The owner isn't. And I think that's the, the kind of end of that story. But yeah, the, the fans are really, really losing patience. He was already a divisive figure and the, the voices that were supporting him are getting quieter and quieter as the weeks go on. It's interesting you mentioned that Swindon game because a former player of ours, Harry McCurdy, by all accounts, had a, an absolute blinder for them, which is very typical of Harry. He could turn it on when he wants to, but when he wants to, it's not very often. Did he um, have the um, Did he have the uh, ponytail when he was with you? He did have a ponytail. He had the sort of long bleach hair, but I'm guessing he's oh, wow. still got ridiculously short shorts as well that he wears. Yeah, yeah, and uh, almost no shin pads as well. Yes, he, he, yeah. he's... He's a, he's a character. I think that's one way some people would describe him. I think uh, some Carlisle fans have got another word with a C that they'd use to describe him, but there you go. Um, yeah, so I mean, it sounds like sort of Barton's one of these ones that the board have got a bit of faith in, but the fans are really losing it. Um, in terms of the club itself, how difficult is it? Because for a Carlisle fan, it's really weird. We we are a two-city club in the sense that there is another club in Carlisle, Carlisle City, but they play at the lowest rung of non-league football and have only been there for a few years. And there's no real rivalry or any sort of, there's almost like a patronising sort of, oh, we hope they do well sort of look to it. You're in a two-club city and it's a, it's a big city and it's big enough to hold two clubs. But what's it like as a fan to see sort of, I suppose, Bristol City, always generally doing better than you guys and on top of that what's going on in terms of the stadium redevelopment for you guys because that that was talked about a few years ago because i know the memorial stadium is kind of similar to brunton park in a sense that it's, it's a it's a big ground and it's an impressive ground for the football league but it's old and it needs upgrading doesn't it uh, upgrading uh our ground needs demolishing it's uh <laughs> it's 90 percent tense anyway so it'll, it'll yeah. take an afternoon this is absolutely no bother and it is one of those um, that really holds us back. And it's one of the things, it holds us back for, within, obviously, you know, all the conferencing, all the boring stuff that fans don't really yeah, care yeah. about. But it also holds us back from attracting parents who want to take their kids to football and they look at the Memorial Stadium and they're like, oh, it's a bit grotty. And they look at Ashton Gate and as much as, you know, the place is absolute hell to me. It's actually quite nice for families and they do amazing deals for season tickets and for kids and all that. And it's just, we're light years apart. And it's it's frustrating as, you know, the kind of junior partner in that one, kind of like Stoke and Port Vale kind of thing, because yeah. that's pretty much the levels we're away from each other. Um, and it's it hasn't always been that way. Um, yeah. We were the best team in Bristol for, for a while and then, they got taken over by Lansdowne, Steve Lansdowne, the um, billionaire, I think he is, actually. Yeah. And they just kind of, they just went on, yeah. They, they've invested in all the right places, in the stadium, in the training grounds and all that kind of stuff. Well, we've stood still slash gone backwards. Um, and it, it hurts, but I try not to think about them. <laughs> Sorry, breaking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's very upsetting. And I think it all comes down to really... The investment in in the stadium i mean ashton gate i got my vaccination there they opened up the stadium had all the covid jabs there and they can do all the they host the rugby now again as well which used to be the men and you know they do gigs i watched muse at ashton gate and as much as i wanted to be there and be like oh i really like the music but i really hate the place the, the facilities were 
pretty good. I'm going to whisper it. They were pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of bit that we're missing out on. And, you know, we've been looking to move or rebuild the MEM for years, years and years and years and years. And the latest scheme was to buy some land where the fruit market is um, in St. Phillips. And that was kind of like the preferred site. And it looked like it was kind of progressing. And then COVID hit and it's gone absolutely dead. So no idea what when we're going to get a new state, if we're going to get a new stadium. It's, yeah, it's, we're stuck basically where we are for the foreseeable. And it's it's not a good place to be stuck, essentially. Yeah, that, that, to be honest, we feel your pain in that sense because we've had that issue with Brunton Park, obviously with the floods and stuff. And you see one modern newsstand, but there's no conference facilities or anything like that inside it. And the main stand where you can see what that looks like, it's a 1950s main stand. <laughs> and we've got the problem is we, we, we discussed, well, we looked into moving the ground about 10 years ago and that fell through. And ever since it's just been put off basically by the owners consistently so it's a it's a frustration for us as much as it is for you guys um quickly before we get on to predictions this weekend nick anderton obviously joined you guys in the summer from us how's he gotten so far i was really excited by nick anderton actually i, I, I was yeah he came with rave reviews obviously had been capped in and it's like right that's exactly what we need at the back um a lot of people don't like him i think he's a bit <laughs> of a bomb scare um i know he's kept out of your team by a youngster which isn't always a good good sign um, I think he's okay. Uh, he plays on the left side of centre-back for us. He's recently been dropped. He hasn't played the last couple of games. Um, but before that, he, he pretty much started every game. Um, Is that a back three or a back four? Of a back three, yeah. Back three, yeah centre-back okay. of a back three, yeah. yeah. So he's looked... Okay. I mean, he's not amazingly quick. He's, for a tall lad, he's okay in the air. Um, yeah, just nothing, nothing spectacular about it. I don't look at him and think, oh, yeah, that's a really, really good centre-back. <laughs> Uh, it just looks okay to not okay. That sounds about right, to be honest. I mean, for us, <laughs> he, he mostly played left-back for us. Uh, he was solid enough. Armour got into the team ahead of him and they, they sort of swapped for, for a little while. Then Armour basically pinned down the position of his own. Uh, although, funny enough, Armour's not had a great season for us so far. So that lack of competition really isn't helping him because we haven't actually signed a left-back to replace. Oh, do you fancy a swap? Yeah, well, to, to be honest, I wouldn't be against him going back if he, if he pushed armour on again. But yeah, for us, he played centre-back towards the end of the season in, as an emergency in one game and did okay. And then he played in a back four as a centre-back in another game and he got torn apart and he had an absolute nightmare. And after that, it's like, right, you can go back to left-back now. <laughs> don't worry about it anymore. So to hear that he's playing there again is a little bit of a surprise. But uh, I don't think any Califan particularly hate him or anything. If he was just a solid performer, like you said, you know, someone who at this level you can sort of rely on to be six, seven out of ten most games, I think. Um, okay, then let's do predictions for this weekend, mate. It was a, appreciate you giving you time. So what do you think the score is going to be? So I reckon... I. I reckon we'll score and I reckon we'll concede. It's definitely going to be a, a score game. I think I'm going to sneak a Rovers 2-1 win. And the only reason I'm doing that is just home advantage. I'm, it's a long way, a long, long mm. kind of trip for the players. And the men, when it's in good voice as well, is a, a fantastic place to get behind the players. And I think that will hopefully, hopefully just be enough. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, to be honest. Nick Anderton will be on the score sheet anyway. Guarantee you that. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Tom. Really appreciate it. And uh, all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend.
yeah, same for you guys. Okay, thanks once again to Tom for giving up his time to speak to us about all things Bristol Rovers. Now let's get on to the game, Dan. Um, referee this weekend is Charles Breakspear. I mean, this it's is a fantastic ninth, name, isn't it? It's a it? great name. It's his ninth season as an EFL referee, and I refuse to believe he's been an EFL re- referee for nine seasons because with a name like that, I'd like to think I'd have heard of him by now. Yeah. But it turns out I've never <laughs> never heard of him until now. It's a weird one. Um, so yeah, it's uh, next season as the EFL referee. This season so far, he's taken charge of 11 games, handing out 44 yellow cards and two red cards. About four yellow cards a game? Yeah, yeah. Quite a few. Um, they took charge, or the, he last took charge of a United game in February 2020. It was a 2-1 victory over Cambridge United. Uh, the Blues had five players booked that day, which were Aaron Hayden, uh, Byron Webster, Harry McCurdy, Taylor Charters and Olofelo Olomola. Uh, one booking away from a £1,000 fine there. Mm. Um, uh, yes, so in terms of head-to-head record, we played them 36 times in our history. Uh, 13 of those have been Kalinite wins, 9 have been draws, and 14 have been Bristol Rovers wins. So quite a tight one, actually. Um, it's one of those ones, isn't it, that the Southern clubs we don't tend to have played as much as the Northern clubs, have we, because of the old uh, Division Three North yeah, and South yeah, crack yeah. and all that stuff, isn't it? Um in terms of classic clash, I had a look back through and I was trying to pick out a few here. Um, I'm a bit disappointed, Dan. I've just realised now I could have picked a really good one for you. I could have picked the one where uh, Ian Stevens scored his hat-trick for us in 97-98. Uh, so I've made a mistake there. Maybe we'll do that for the, the reverse fixture. So you can have a little walk down memory lane for that one. <laughs> um, so what I've done, actually, is I've gone back to the last time we played, Bristol Rovers, which was five years ago. I didn't realise I'd been nice. in league, league One for that long. Yeah. Um it was March 2016, um, and United ran out 3-2 winners at Brunton Park against Rovers. They took the lead in the 11th minute of this game. Um, I don't know if you've watched the highlights back yet of this, Dan, but um, the goal was the opening goal was from Jack Stacey. Uh, he cut inside from the left, and he curled a stunning Yeah, it was a really, good, really good goal, wasn't it, from them? Yeah, from 25 yards, uh, past the despairing dive of the Rovers keeper. The weird one, Jack Stacey, isn't he? Because he came towards us as a left winger, and he seemed to be left-footed. But he looked quite good on his right foot. And now he's playing in the championship for Bournemouth as a right back, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> very, very odd one, that one. But there you go. Uh, obviously broke our hearts at Exeter as well, didn't he? Um, the visitors responded quite well. And uh, it was Billy Bowden who drew them level. He pounced on a poor backheader by Michael Rains to put the ball past Gillespie in goal. Uh, Gillespie was actually almost left with red face. Uh, not long after this, because um, there was a ball played back to him by Danny Granger. And he takes a touch. It's played back quite hard. He takes it. He stretch. He sort of misjudges it. Stretches to take the touch, and it goes like right across the goal line, and yeah, yeah. just goes wide of the post. It was would have been very, very embarrassing if it had gone in. One of the one of the ones for Danny Baker's own goals and gaffes from back in the day. Um, that's one for the teenagers there. Um, yeah, into the second half, United took the lead again when a long ball forward was flicked on by Reigns and White showed great movement to nip in, get a touch and then slide it past the Rovers' keeper. Uh, that lead didn't last too long. Uh, Matty Taylor, uh, not which, sure which one of the Matty Taylors because there's quite a few of them out there, isn't there? I think it's the one that's playing for Oxford now. Um, he turned on the edge of the box and hit a low shot that bobbled up and bobbled over the dive of Gillespie. You could probably argue it was a mistake by Gillespie, really, this one. Um, but the winner actually came in the 85th minute as Tom Miller played an inch-perfect free ball to Jason Kennedy on a great run and he chipped it over the keeper into the net to score all three points. But that's not the main talking point from this game, is it, Dan? No, we have a one-game wonder. We do indeed. The, the PlayStation footballer himself, the man with all the step-overs, 
Luis Pedro. I mean, there there was a, a signing, wasn't there? Dear God, where did he come from? Where did he go? <laughs> you know? he, was, he played at a decent level in Holland, didn't he? I think he yeah, actually yeah. had a decent record at a couple of clubs. But he just sort of came in and he just didn't seem to know what to do when he was playing for us. He was a very odd one, that one. The, the reckon in training, he was superb. Yeah, maybe Cole just didn't know how to he, fit him He's actually the playing at the moment for FC Nitra. Oh. Which <laughs> is the Slovakian... Is that Slovak? I think it's the Slovakian. Mm. Some sort of lower yeah. level team, I'm guessing. But there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the uh, the classic match. Yeah, Slovakian. Of the Sorry, I was just waiting for yeah. Google to load. <laughs> right. Yes. So right, that's the classic match done. Um, like I said, for the reverse fixture, we'll do one just for you, Dan, with an Ian Stevens hat trick. I think. Yeah. I'm sure you'll enjoy that one. Um, played for both, Dan. So it's time for you to do your little bit and tell us about a player who featured for both clubs. Yeah. Let me just load my page up, and I am going for someone who was born in 1954. Oh, right, Actually right, born right. born in Liverpool, and he was a striker. But he he only joined uh, Bristol Rovers. That can't be right. <laughs> right. Any, anyways, uh, I'm on about Archie Stevens. Ah, Archie Stevens, uh, which is a name that will bring a shudder to one or two folk who. Uh, <laughs> Witnessed Archie play, but he started in non-league at uh, one or two clubs around Melksham Town, and then he went to Bristol Rovers, and uh, he did well at Bristol Rovers. Scored over forty goals in one hundred and twenty odd appearances. Got himself a move up to Middlesbrough. Mm. Again, he did all right there. At 24, 25 goals in about ninety hundred appearances. Mm. Then he came to Carlisle. <laughs> yeah. Didn't quite work there, did it? For no, he did, did get did get a couple of goals, but he just uh, uh, don't get me wrong. We were atrocious at this period. I mean, he was thirty three by the time he signed for us, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. We we were atrocious in this period, mm. but uh, it's the name just brings shudders to fans of a a certain vintage. And uh, after he left us, I, I think he went to Yeovil briefly. He popped up at Darlington and. Gisborough. He did. Uh, he must have settled over the northeast because mm. he did become manager at Northallerton Town in ninety seven ninety eight, but uh, they got relegated and he left, and he literally disappears. Mm. It's strange, wasn't he? Because I'm, I'm looking at his career again here, Darren. Like I said, he, he's born in Liverpool, but he he's played basically for clubs down in the southwest, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, just ends up in Middlesbrough, and obviously, then it, up... I mean, I mean, it, it could be that his family were in Merseyside for work possibly. or something, or possibly could yeah. be that. But yeah, but yeah, wasn't there an interesting discussion on the old message board uh, at some point about him scoring a goal which he didn't score or something like that? Yes, there was. There was a disputed goal. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to attempt to Google it and find it, but uh, yeah. yeah, it just it just didn't really work for us. Eh? No, no, certainly not. But, right. Uh, Let's go through the full list, and it's not quite as long as some of the others, but it's a bit longer than I expected it to be, actually, because you don't expect there to be too many links between... Uh, I, th- I think it's fair to say one or two of them haven't played many games for us. Arthur Bristol Rovers, even. Yeah, yeah, true. There you true. go. So, uh, first up, I mean, he's playing for them now. He was playing for us last season. Nick Anderton, uh, he's obviously played for both clubs. Uh, Giovanni Yinsa, 
Um, a player who looked like he had so much potential when he was playing for us as a striker, didn't he? I think the Greg converted him from a winger to a striker and he looked so good and then moved to Charlton and never worked out for him after that, did he? He just disappeared, mm. pretty much. Um, someone who didn't actually play for both clubs, but he managed both clubs, Ian Atkins. Had a spell in charge of Bristol Rovers. Um, don't think he did particularly well there, did he? Uh, with us, obviously, he's, he's well remembered for keeping us in the league under very difficult circumstances. Um, someone who we keep mentioning in the old um, uh, uh, X-Files updates, don't we, Dan? Yeah, he found his sort of level at the National League, hasn't mm. he? Angelo Balanta. He, he looked an all right player for us. He looked like he he looked a very good technical footballer, didn't he? But I just don't think Curl ever had an idea of how to actually use him in the team, did he? And unsurprisingly, still the only Colombian to have played for us. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, a player who probably brings back a lot better memories for United than uh, than some of the other players we're going to mention here, Paul Bannon. Paul Bannon. Yeah, early 80s, wasn't he, I think, part of the team that yeah, won promotion yeah, to yeah. the, uh, what is now the championship, obviously. Um, yeah. Very popular player, wasn't he, I think, at United. And uh, he sadly passed away, didn't he, about five years ago, I think, back in Dublin. Yes, he did, yeah. yeah. yeah I think he was only about 60-odd year old when he Yeah, not particularly old. Passed. No. Um, again, one of these players who's not played many games was John Bass. Uh, anyone who can remember back far enough on loan from Birmingham City, was it, in the yes. mid-90s? I think it was around yeah. about the time that Wadsworth left. I think he came on loan, didn't he? Yeah. On a month's loan. Um, Jack Bonham um, did very well for us on loan, did very well for Bristol Rovers on loan. He's got his move to Stoke City now, hasn't he? And he's, I don't think he's actually played a first-team game for me, or not in the league at least anyway, I think. I think he's still waiting to make his league debut for Stoke City. A player we mentioned a few weeks ago, Darren Carr. Um, he started out at Bristol Rovers, actually. I think he's from down that way. Um, someone else we mentioned quite recently as well, Tim Carter. Some people might remember. I think he was a goalkeeper, wasn't he? I think he was at Man United at one point in his career, possibly. Um, he was on loan. I think he might have been the early days when you were watching football, Dan, possibly, mm. at United. Um yeah, I think he, uh, sorry, he wasn't at Man United. I got mixed up with someone else completely there. He started out at Bristol Rovers, sorry, and he spent time at Sunderland. And he was on yes, loan for us yeah, four yeah. games in the late 80s. Um, yeah, yeah. It's quite a sad story, his one, though, because um, he actually, um, he, he took his own life, unfortunately. Um, I think the, the inquest basically found that he basically struggled to deal with his son's disabilities, apparently. So quite a sad one. He was only 40 mm. when he died. Um, next up. Um, someone who played for Bristol Rovers but managed us. Your favourite, Dan, Keith Curl. Man- managed is, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word. Yes, but there you go. Uh, Daryl Duffy, another one we mention sporadically, don't we? In the still X-Files. still playing for Stranraad, is it? I yeah, think he's still it knocking is, a few yeah. in, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing all right there. Yeah. Um, somebody who was at Bristol Rovers last season, left in the summer, Max Aimer. Um, I think he was a good little loan player we had when he was on loan. Yeah, yeah, he was solid enough. Um, he's, he's, he's done well in League One, hasn't he? So, is he the only back, German back in, to play back, for us? Yeah, cause we had Tobias Zellner on trial, but he didn't yeah. actually... No, he never played. There, 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 was, there was some sort of... There's confusion with Zellner that he signed for us, Yeah, but I think he was just on an extended trial. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he ever signed an actual team. No, no, because he, he did appear at Preston before us and mm. didn't really play for them. No. Um, Kevin Gall, um, I think he sort of started his professional career effectively, didn't he? There, I think he was at, he was at Newcastle, wasn't he? But he never really played for them. Um, yeah, he was at uh, Bristol Rovers. Um, he actually played up front in the game that was um, 20 years ago today when we played against Bristol Rovers on the same day as David Beckham scoring that free kick at Old Trafford. Oh, yeah. Um, 
A weird one. That was back in the day when clubs didn't really move games, did they? Or England games were always at three o'clock on a Saturday, which was... You look back and it just never made sense, really, did it? It was no, just, no. just stupid, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, Matty Glennon, he's a one-game wonder for Bristol Rovers. He played one game for them on loan. And then I think his next loan from Bolton was actually with us. So, yeah. Um, Mike Green, he started his career with us. He's a local lad, a Carlisle lad. He played two games in the early 60s and then left the club, went to Gillingham. And then I think he went to Bristol Rovers and he, he played quite a few games, like 150-odd games, I think, for them. So... Done very well there. Uh, Jimmy Hamilton. I mean, he played for us in the early 80s, possibly. Um, Carl Heggs, who you uh, did for the... Uh, played for both the other day, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Reggie Lamb. I never realised he was at Bristol Rovers. The very start of his career, he had a loan spell there from Ipswich Town. Uh, Bob Lee. Um, he had spells at both clubs. Uh, Lee Madison. I think he's a Bristol lad, isn't he? He started his career mm, there. He's from down that way, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, scored one of the best goals I've seen at Brunton Park. I mean, it's on YouTube somewhere, isn't it? It's an unbelievable hit. Like an arrow into the top corner. What a what a goal that was. Um, who else? Aidan McCaffrey. He was at Bristol uh, Rovers. You probably have... Well, you. I, I wasn't following United at that time, so you'll have uh, memories of him being manager of the club, which, again, a stretch to say he was manager, wasn't it? Strong, strong accusation, that, yeah. Yeah, indeed it is. It was a victim of circumstance yeah. also. I mean, it, don't get us wrong, it wasn't very good, but, yeah. you know, the club was just... I know, I know I say it repeatedly, but folk think we're in a mess now. Good grief, you wanted to be around <laughs> then. Believe yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one-game wonder for you here, Dan. Jeffrey Monacana, who's uh, currently playing with, uh, I think, a second-division Icelandic side. Um, I think it's the second club he's played for in Iceland. I do wonder how these Iceland clubs actually afford... To have players like them. I'm guessing the wages aren't massive, but there must be something to attract some of these English players. Uh, that I there. would imagine they get free digs and food and whatnot yeah. as well, so the wages are actually theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Parks, uh, he was he actually played in the uh, classic match we mentioned just before. Um, Gavin Riley, um, now at Greenick Morton, isn't he, I think? On loan, yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, John Rudge, we mentioned him the other week. He, he had a spell at Bristol Rovers. Um, Dave Rushbury. Um, I think he was early early eighties, wasn't he? I think he was part mm. of that team that went up to the second division slash championship back in the day. Uh, Archie Stevens, you mentioned already, Dan. Uh, Gareth Taylor, who's now a manager of Man City women's side. Um, and finally, uh, someone who managed both clubs, John Ward. I think he had a quite—I don't know—so much success in terms of winning things, but I think he did quite a good job at Bristol Rovers, sort of stabilising them in the mid nineties. Uh, he might have even been manager in charge in that game when Ian Stevens scored that hat-trick. I'll have to have a check of that yeah. when I do it next time. There you go. Well, let's get on to Bristol Rovers themselves now then, Dan. Um, I went back and checked on this. So, while Michael's... <sighs> Just start I, uh, doffing his cap and yeah, no, polishing yeah. my badges. Yeah, indeed. So, I looked back at the prediction just to see if we'd mentioned Bristol Rovers. Now, I didn't mention them at all, but I, I think I... Genuinely agreed with you that I was for basically Dan said Dan picked them as the, the surprise struggler for this season. Now I sort of said I, I tend to agree with that. I'm not sure they'll do that well, partly because of the issues involved in the manager, which we'll get onto in a minute. But uh, another one of our presenters who will remain anonymous, but you can probably quite easily work out, is predicting Hi, them to finish predicted to finish, them to finish in the top three. 
So uh, that's not looking a great prediction so far. In fact, I think he had Salford City as the other, one of the other teams in the top yeah. three. I, I think we, we all do, no, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we all, we all have them but, in. Yeah, just in case they do click. I mean, I'll keep saying it, but I've got Forest Green to finish top. Um, so there you go. But I mean... I don't think we expected them to be quite this bad so far, did we? We thought it would be like a slow, gradual thing, really, didn't we? No, I didn't. I, 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 all joking apart, I honestly just thought they're going to struggle. I just looked at it, the, the turnover of players, the manager, bits and bobs, reading about the first couple of friendlies where they sounded atrocious, I just mm. thought, these are set to struggle, big time. Yeah. Mm. I mean, as you mentioned there, they had a quite a big clear on the summer. I mean, they they spent the previous five seasons in um, in League One. Oh, imagine that. God, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, we had, what was it, seven seasons at that level? Oh, the, in and fact, then yeah. The glory Halcyon days. days. The glory days indeed, yeah. eh? Think of those people who complained about Greg Abbott back in the day and now look at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's obviously the Pirates have returned to this level. Um they just seemed to stagnate. They had a few years of growth in them because they went down to the, the conference. They they got themselves up to League One again. They were kind of like us in a weird way, but they've they've got a similar issue to us, haven't they? In that they're stuck with a stadium in the Memorial Stadium, which is it's quite old and dilapidated, isn't it? And they've got like still temporary standing down one of the goals. And I, I wouldn't say it's as old as ours. I no, would just no. say it's facility wise, it's a bit more inadequate, it's basic, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's it. The two main stands. A decent little sports ground stands, yeah, but they're not football league stands, are they? No, they they don't generate money because it, it used to be the rugby ground, didn't it? I think, yeah, back yeah, day, going back quite a bit, and I think that they've been looking, haven't they? Um, is it working with the university, one of the universities down there? I think to build like a proper sports campus and redevelop the whole stadium, yeah. or even move to a new ground, possibly. And none of that seems to have come off, and it just seems to be nah. one struggle after another in terms of all that stuff for them. Um, Let's get on to the manager then, Mr. Joey Barton. Well, we'll get on to him, but there's probably not a lot we can say about him for legal reasons. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's not a man who goes about his job quietly, is he? That, that's, it's fair yeah. to say. I mean, controversy is always quick to follow him. And as you mentioned there, there are a couple of court cases still hanging over him. We're not going to discuss them for the obvious reasons. And we'll leave that as it is. You can go and Google that if you really want to find out more. Um, he actually did a. I think people don't appreciate. It. He did quite a solid job at Fleetwood, didn't he? Yeah. Because because they they weren't splashing in money in the same way they had when they first went up to League One. I think he was having to work a lot more with younger players coming through, and they did okay. They were still, you know. I've, I've, I think with Fleetwood as well, folk need to step back and just look at how small a club they really are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, even I mean, allowing Fleet, Fleetwood being an established League One team is an achievement in itself. I mean, it, 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 it's arguably bigger than Accrington and and Morecambe being up there. Yeah. Because, I mean, Morecambe have not got as many clubs around them, really. That's the thing. How depressing is this talking about know. these sort of clubs? <laughs> Fleetwood, Accrington, Morecambe. Even teams like Burton Albion, you know, they're, they're not big teams. No, but they've they've basically had some people who've pumped a bit of fun into them. And Burton yeah, have got yeah. a nice little ground that suits them perfectly. And that generates money when they, they don't have matches on and things like that. Which yeah, yeah. Massive. We just don't have that. that that's, the sooner our fans click on and realise that and push the ball to actually do something about that. That's that's mm. the if this board's not gonna sell anytime soon, that's the thing they need to sort out. 
as soon as possible. But get but get on to another topic that we, we could do a whole podcast about things the club really needs to do, but there you go. Um Christ, that'd be about the forty eight part. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um so yeah, he obviously left Fleetwood midfield last season. I think I think he looked at the Bristol Rovers job and thought there's a sort of almost sleeping giant, a club that I can really get up the leagues, potentially get to the championship. I think that's what he was almost looking at. But they were a bit of a desperate situation when he came in. I think Paul Tisdale had been in charge, hadn't he? And he'd, he'd struggled to turn things around from the problems he'd had even before he came in. And he, it's weird because he, he he struggled to keep... He didn't keep them up last season, Barton. And he seems to be spending most of his time blaming one of the previous managers, Ben Garner, and just basically saying, he signed a load of rubbish and he didn't train them <laughs> on. What what they did was an absolute farce last, you know, when he was in charge. It's an embarrassment that he was, you know... You should be embarrassed with what happened here. Well, I hate to say it to you, Joey, but Ben Garner's now in charge of Swindon Town. Everyone's been predicting them to go down. Look at them. They beat them at the weekend and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. It, it doesn't look great on, on Burton, that does it? If the, the man who he said is useless, basically, has come and turned his side over with a what's essentially a scratch squad that's been put together before the season started. It's 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 not great, is it? And I think he he wasn't helped at the start of the season either, was he, Barton? When uh, Clint Hill left his role as assistant manager, yeah, yeah, he's at Hartlepool now, isn't he? I think he's helping out uh, Dave Shallander there. I think while they look for a new assistant manager for Hartlepool, I think it's I mean, that suggests to me that it's, the travelling was the issue in terms of why Hill's given up that role. I think there's one or two Carlisle fans who would maybe like to see Mister Hill somewhere. Oh, his manager. Well, you never know. By all accounts, he apparently he did a mock interview when he was up here. When I think whichever job came off, and when um, was it? Would when Curl left, they basically said, "Well, do a mock interview." Just and they said they were blown away at how good he was in yeah. the interview. And, said and, then, were, and the, they didn't think to like you know <coughs> sit down and have a proper conversation with him. I, I think to be honest, they thought we need to get someone experienced in to deal with things next season. Yeah. I think in any other situation, I think. Further down the line, they might have looked at him possibly, but mm. but there you go. So yeah, he's obviously left that role there. Um, so I've gone through the squad, and I was looking through this, Dan, and picking out a stand band, there's a lot of decent players it's, in there, but you look at them and you think... It's experienced, isn't it? It's experienced, but I look at them and think, there's a lot of players coming towards the end of the quiz, a lot of players mm. who are experienced and played a lot, but have not done that great in the last couple of seasons. That would be my worry. And the man I've picked in the end is Leon Clark. Um, I mean, he is a player that blows hot and cold, isn't he? I think yeah. it's fair to say. He's had some pretty awful spells in his career. I mean, his last spell was at Shrewsbury Town last season. He scored one goal in 10 appearances. Yeah. But then when you go back and look at his spells at both Sheffield clubs and Coventry City, he's prolific for them. He's, I mean, I think Coventry, he, he scored something like, was it 23 goals in 26 games? Or something stupid mind, like mind, that. Mind you, he, he hasn't played much for them this year, has he? I think he's only just signed a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. I think he signed quite late, like after the... Transfer deadline. His, 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 first, his first game is listed as being sort of at the club was for the thirty first of August. Yeah, I think but he's he, probably. I think he arrived late and he had to build his fitness up. Basically, yeah, that's why yeah. they didn't use him. But he's got one goal in his first two games, doesn't he? So he's he's already off the mark for them, which is probably a good sign for them. But I mean, if he can get him performing, Barton, he'd be a handful for any defence in this division. I remember him playing for Chesterfield against us, and he tore us apart one day. I remember he's a really good player at this level, potentially. Not the youngest player now, but you know, I, I I picked him out as my star man. I don't know if there's anyone else there you you thought Dan would. Be I think good. the one that would uh, sort of appeals to Carlisle fans a bit, which is probably Harvey Saunders. Mm. He was probably a player that folk would have liked to have seen maybe come to Carlisle. Mm. Yeah, given his that. his Darlington Hartlepool Fleetwood, you know, 
Yeah, but he obviously chose. I mean, I imagine Brisson has offered more money. He probably offered him two or three that. years as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, he's another one I picked out there. But I mean, like you said, so much experience there. I mean, Glenn Whelan. I mean, there's a player who's you know, played for God knows how many years in the Premier League. But again, like you said, he's getting on. He's not the youngest now. Yeah. Um, Mark Hughes is a player who's been a, a great defender for Accrington at um, League One level, even yeah. in, in League Two. Uh, Paul Coots, another player who's you know he's played for, in, for Sheffield United, and I think he played for Scotland as well. Actually, I think he's a Scotland international. I'm, I'm just looking. Uh, Alfie Kilgower, who normally plays at the back for them, he got sent off against Swindon, so, no, so he won't. He, he, he'll, he'll be missing, won't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, Harry Anderson was a big part of Lincoln's side that won promotion from the National League and then up to League One as well through League Two, winning the title yeah. in League Two. Um, I mean, Brett Pittman. There's a play, you know, you'd back to score goals. It's I, I think, I th- is he not the one who Mike suggested might score a ridiculous amount of goals? Yeah, and he scored one for seven <laughs> yeah. games. Mike's predictions aren't looking great this season, to be fair. No. I think actually the relegation ones, he's actually look, looking too bad. I think he went for Scunthorpe and Oldham, possibly, so he might be yeah. able for that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, there's bags of experience, but like I said, when you look at that, you think to yourself... Are these players just picking up a last payday? It kind of reminds yeah. me of, of us at times, where we've signed a lot of experienced players, and you just thought to yourself, actually, you'd rather have maybe some exciting young players in there as well. Yeah, they must be one of the old uh, oldest average age squads in the division, surely. Oh yeah, yeah. When you look at it, I mean, on top of that, you've got actually Alex Rodman. I didn't even notice he's thirty-four <laughs> playing for them as well. And uh, yeah, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how they get on this for over the rest of the season. But for yeah, me, yeah. it's a big squad as well. That's the other thing that stands out. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. A lot of them. Um, so there you go. Um, as you mentioned there, they had a huge clear out over the summer. I mean, when you look at the players they let go, actually, there's not really much they'd be too upset about, I don't think. No, Aimer would be one, wouldn't they? Max Aimer, I think George Williams, the one who I think he was there. Uh, yeah. Wales International in the past, um, maybe him. He's gone to Cambridge. But bar that, yeah, there's not really a huge amount to worry about. It's just they've, whether they've just packed it with loads of experienced players thinking that will do it, when actually maybe their players coming towards the end of the career, I don't mm. know. A couple of signs from Fleetwood as well. I think Sam Finley's one that I think a lot was expected of when he was young goals in it, but they never quite got it out of him at Fleetwood. Um, I mean, their current form, in terms of the last six games table, they're five places above United in 17th in that table. We're 22nd, which tells you all you need to know about our yeah. last six games form. Um, their records, drawn one, loss, loss, one loss. Uh, one of those wins came against Walsall, who are one of the worst teams in the division right now as well. So, yeah, that's not really much to write home about. And actually, there are other two wins this season. I mean, Crawley are a team that anyone could really beat on the day, except us this season. Um, and Oldham, I mean... Pfft, it's like taking candy from a baby, isn't it? Beating old in this yeah. Um Yes, it's not great. And discipline-wise, then, I mean, I talked about us. Our discipline not being great this season, but theirs has been pretty dreadful. I think they've had... They've, I mean, they've only had 16 yellow cards. There's only two more than we've had. But actually, they've had three red cards and only Mansfield with four. Yeah. They've had yeah. more red cards than them. So, yeah, they're, they're one of those sides, aren't they? they I mean, they're, they're a club that really should be the top end of League One challenging for the championship. They are... I'm sure they'll hate me saying this, but they are the smaller of the two Bristol clubs. But Bristol's such a big place, it can comfortably hold two decent-sized oh, clubs, yeah, can't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So they should be challenging at the top of end of League One, but actually as it is, 
they're under threat of potentially going back down to the National League again, the way things yeah. are right now. Uh, let's talk about United then, Dan. So this is a chance for you to give us a little bit of a uh, thing, you, you a bit of news you heard about injuries potentially. Yeah, uh, Magnus Norman was spotted on Monday on crutches with a protective boot, which, mm. given the fact we had the trialist keeper for the Central League Cup, suggests we're potentially looking at bringing somebody in. Mm. Uh, we don't. We've there's been nothing from the club yet on any injury severity yeah. time. You remember the start of last season? You know we thought he was mm. going to be out for months. We signed Paul Farman and he was out for three weeks. So, yeah. you know, it could just be, uh, you know, wrap it up and protect it because it's summit. But uh, mm. we could certainly have a change in goalkeeper this week. Yeah, and it, and it clearly seems that that they've looked at the the young lads, um, Simons and Breeze and felt 17 years old, probably not really fair to be thrown no, in right no. now, especially when the person ahead of them's quite a young keeper as well in uh, yeah, Lucas yeah. Jensen. On top of that, we obviously mentioned Josh Dixon. Uh, he's going to be out for another few weeks. Um, and I think we're awaiting updates on McDonald and Gibson, although Beach did seem to suggest after the game that they'll probably be okay and they should be fit yeah. for this weekend. Not 100% of that. Tristan Obviously, Abraham's return as well. say Abraham's was back on the bench and came on. Yeah. Didn't do much, but came on. <laughs> well, there you go. Um Big changes to the team last week from Beach. Didn't really work. What do you do now as a manager? That's the question. The Tombola comes out. Last scene with Keith. Yeah. Keith's Tombola comes out. You'd imagine he's probably going to make changes again, isn't he? If McDonald and Gibson are fit, they come back in, don't they? You would think so, yeah. For and I'm guessing Dinze as well. Yeah. Do you bring Miller back in? I think you've got to bring Miller back in for a game like this. Yeah, you either do, or you play a wheel in there and keep Feeney in the middle. Yeah. Possibly. I'd like to see Feeney have a run. I don't think Feeney did too badly last weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's one of them who he just needs a run. You know, he's, he's not played a lot of football the last couple of years. And yes, he'll make the odd mistake while he gets used to playing again. But mm. he's a hell of a player for me. So Yeah, he looks he looks like a player who's a, just, just a good defender, doesn't he? He just knows when to get rid and do stuff like that. So I like the look of him. I'd like to see him start. I, I, I think he's going to be a bit of a slow burner like Hayden was, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. They'll just take him that little bit, but once he yeah. gets running, he'll be... Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think in terms of defence and goalkeeper, we're looking potentially at three possible changes in there with Jensen coming in for yeah. Norman if he's injured, Meller at right back and McDonald back into the centre of defence yeah. as well. And then midfield, I mean, he's still very reluctant to drop any of that midfield free, isn't he? I yeah. know we talk about how well they work together and how brilliant they've been, but... There comes a point where you've got to just say, we've got to make a change here. One of you is going to be dropped. And I hate to say it, it's harsh on him, but it'll probably be Riley will be the one that will be dropped, won't it? I think, looking at things, because Mellish has been great. I mean, he wasn't outstanding against Forest Green, but, you know, he's been pretty good this season. Guys, you're captain. Your chances of dropping him are going to be slim unless he's really bad. So you think That's it's it. With, with, with Guy and Mellish getting long-term contracts, they're not going to get dropped, are they? No. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, it's a tough one. And then we've got the enigma of Clough, haven't we? How do you fit him this team, Don? Genuinely, how do you fit him in? Because I he, he's going to be our best player. Player, you've got to have him in the team. You've got to try and get him in the team somehow. I think the only way he plays is if we switch to sort of four four one one four four two with him being the, you know, the second striker. It's that or a four two three one. 
But if you do mm. that, your question is, do you play Mellish as one of the two or do you do Riley? And, yeah. Or even put Whelan and Guy in there and try mm. and keep it really tight and win the ball a lot. Yeah. But uh, I think one thing we'll both be agreed on, uh, Brad Young deserves to start again, I think. Oh, definitely. I think Brad Young, for him, for me, you've got to give him a run in the team now. Yeah, give him yeah. a run. Like, in a couple of games' time, let's say by the Newport game, well, after the Newport game, he hasn't scored then maybe, yeah, you look to take him out and bring someone in. But for me, Abrahams isn't doing enough when he's playing. I know he's got his three goals so far this season, but since he last scored, he's not really done much for me. No. He's not really been involved. And I'm I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed by him so far, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really seeing where he's going to fit in right now. Yeah. It's a tough one to judge. Um, and I mentioned, obviously, bring Mella back in right back. So I think Torrey will probably come out if Gibson's fit, I think. Yeah. It's fair saying Dickinson's going to be starting because he looks a, a threat for us right now. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's what do you do, really? I'm, I, I agree with you. I think I'd like to maybe see his go to a four four two and give that a run for a yeah. few games. Have Dickinson as your left winger, Gibson as your right winger, and Clough and Young up front. I know they're not the biggest, but... It might actually encourage us to get the ball down a little bit, possibly. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, if you play Mellish and Guy in midfield, Mellish can bomb on every now and then. If you look at the crosses the Dickinson makes as well, quite a lot of them are quite low skiddy types. Mm. They suit the likes of Young and maybe Clough running on. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's more that Armour puts in the ones from deep, doesn't he? And, yeah, and yeah. For those, yeah. if they're coming that from that deep, then Mellish is going to have time to get into the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And get on them. Yeah. But yeah, I think we're both in agreement there's probably going to be changes again. Um, is this make or break room, do you think? I don't think this week is. Uh, simply because we're away. Uh, so if we got a point before Kahapi, I think Tranmere is a very big game dependent on result on Saturday. I mean, And, and then a week later, we've got Oldham. That's a huge game potentially. If, he's yeah. not gone, if he hasn't been sacked before then and he loses that game, that's the one where you're looking and you think. Yeah. So this is a big chance. These next few games, he needs to get a decent run of points on the board and maybe yeah. a, win or, a win or two and a draw maybe somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah you see, I'm not, I'm not sure if it isn't make or break for him because Bristol Rovers are struggling down there at the bottom. We're on the same number of points as them. If they were to say win it comfortably by two or three goals, Bristol if it Rovers... Was, if it was Sutton-esque, then yes. Yeah, I think he, he'd have to go at that point because it would show yeah, to me yeah. that, he, that we're not learning anything. We're not yeah, getting ourselves yeah. away from trouble. And by all accounts, they've not been great in their games, yeah, Bristol Rovers. Yeah. So there's no excuse not to at least have some sort of go and try and win the game at the very least. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of just sacking managers for the sake of it but for me he hasn't shown any evidence that he knows how to get us out of trouble at the moment or the fact and that the, the, the thing he's got to do is if he gets a win he needs to back it up with another win and then yeah. another not long after or, or at the very least if you get a win get an unbeaten run going even if it means yeah, you yeah. win and then you join next two and then maybe win yeah. one that's fine we can live with that it's where you're not losing games and at the moment we don't look like a saying that's going to win or even draw games I mean, yeah. you look back and only point we've got in recent games is Scunthorpe. And not being funny, but you should be beating Scunthorpe. Yeah, yeah, of course you should. We really should be. 
There you go. Right, let's get into the match predictions then, Dan. Uh, you can go first. I've got Mike's as well to share with us in a minute. So uh, I'm going for a very lacklustre one-all draw. And I, I hope if Young plays, he gets his first league goal. I was going to say I agree with you there. I'm going to go the same. But actually, I'm going to say it's going to be a bit chaotic and I'm going to go for a 3-3 free, free draw. <laughs> it's just going to be mental. Neither team's going to remember how to defend. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for goals from... Uh, Mellor's going to get a gold. Uh, Young's going to get a gold. One. A gold. A goal. A goal. What, what, what's he won? I know. I know. Uh, so yeah, Kelvin Mellor with a goal. Um, Brad Young and Zach Luff will get one as well. So that's my goal scorers. So here's Mike's predictions. Let's share them with you now. I am going to have a punt at the worst nil-nil that we have seen <laughs> in a long, long time. And that's it. Don't do need a goal some, scorer. Do you know something? That might not be a bad a bad <laughs> shout, eh? No, it's, it's probably not the worst shout you'll ever hear. Yeah. Will it be as bad as the bar at 0-0? I'm not sure. Would, uh, unless Oof. it has a special little bit of uh, control from a player. Uh, he, he couldn't quite possibly be as good at that game, could he? Yeah. So, so there you go. So there's your match predictions for this week. None of us are overly positive. I mean, did you did you get it right last week? Did you go for a 2-0 defeat or was that Mike that went for one? I think someone went for a defeat last week. Possibly me. Yeah. I need. I, I, I really need to tally them up and see how yeah, we're doing yeah. so far. I haven't got around to it yet, but there you go. Um, okay, Dan, it's the X-File section. So this is a bit where you... Run us through what's happened over the last week or so. Not not a huge amount this week, but a few. Not a huge months. amount, but a nice little Brucey bonus at the end. Yeah. Uh, goals. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip down the list first. Big George George Tanner scored his first goal. Yes. For someone who can't play and can't take throw-ins, he's can't head, he's, can't take throw-ins. He's done he, all right. Hasn't he's, he? he's played three games on the belt and he's he's scored his first championship goals. So. Did you see that tackle he put in in that game oh, as well? Oh, that was huge, wasn't I it? I mean, that was probably a seventy thirty in the attacker's favour. Yeah, and he and he and he just went flying into. It. He's like, I'm having this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I mean, well, honestly, well done, Zach. We're, we're, we're big fans of his. As yeah, everyone knows yeah. he. He was uh, he was great when he came on the pod to do an interview and yeah yeah well done to the lad and uh, like I say I still stand where I said I think what the way Beach spoke after he left was a bit poor to be honest but mm, there you go more on that in the future possibly mm. uh, Jerry Yates got his first goal for a little while I think it is for Blackpool mm. uh, Alex Gilead popped up with a goal for Bradford and in the same game Andy Cook scored a penalty. Mm. Uh, speaking of penalties, Ryan Borman missed a penalty for Shrewsbury against Bolton. Yeah. Uh, the man Carlisle fans love to hate now, old Harry McCurdy, absolutely turned the game round for Swindon at Bristol Rovers. He can uh, do that. He's, he's that kind of yeah, player. Yeah. He can do that if his head's switched. He's, he's, he's scored and he was involved in the other two. You know, he was just one of those games where he's in mm. the mood and bosh. He he uh, will be brilliant at Brunton Park in the reverse game oh, against Swindon. On, Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paddy Madden scored for Stockport. Mm. And uh, one of the regulars, Callum Higginbottom for Kelty against Annan. And uh, the Brucey bonus we mentioned, a Love former Loney defender, uh, James Brown, now at St. Johnston permanently, is in the Malta squad for the World Cup qualifiers versus Slovenia and Cyprus. And reliably informed, his grand one of his grandfathers was Maltese. So yeah. good luck to James. Yeah, and uh, he's also as part of his initiation when he joined up with the squad, he had all his hair shaved off. Wow! 
Yeah, that's 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 something else, isn't it? Yeah, not not the usual I've, sing I've, song. I've, I've actually seen a picture of it, but it's not my place to share it because it was obviously <laughs> it's a private photo. But that sounds a bit dodgy, actually. But you know, <laughs> I, you I, it's one of those I wouldn't share without permission. So yeah, well, there yeah. you go. But so yeah, not not too much, but uh, you know, there's a little bit in there, isn't there? Uh, oh, and oh, one, one today, uh, Newport County. Uh, Darren Kelly, obviously, is uh, their version of David Holdsworth. Mm. He's just sort of said that uh, there's a lot of interest in the job at Newport and he'll be uh, going through a fuller process to get a new manager there. I noticed that uh, was it, um, Mark Cooper was linked with that job, wasn't he? Yeah, and it wouldn't, would it be a big surprise to see someone like Paul Tisdale end up there? Possibly not, possibly yeah. not. It, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a good opportunity for them because they've not got a too bad a squad there. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I'll... I wasn't that surprised to see Flynn leave. I think he's probably done the right thing. He's probably looking for, I've been in charge for four years now. It's getting a bit stale. I need to yeah, move on to yeah, something new. And yeah. to be honest, I wouldn't Basically, be surprised. What, what we should have done with, with Greg Abbott before he went that, that summer yeah. before his he last season. He, he should have left then and he probably yeah. would have gone on to another job somewhere else and yeah, done yeah. all right. And I wouldn't be surprised if Flynn himself is sitting there looking at this weekend's game and thinking, if Carlo win that game, Joey Barton gets the axe. Might be yeah. a job for me there. Uh-huh. Just just on the road. Or, that... or would, it, would it be too soon? Possibly, possibly. It, it'd, I mean, look, it'd look a bit bad on him, wouldn't it? Possibly, but then he, the opportunity wasn't there, was it? So it wouldn't be true, like suddenly oh, it's only come up. But, uh... or, or, or let's just start some Chinese whispers and maybe he's heard a whisper. <laughs> possibly. That's, that's possibly. Something may happen. I mean, some people have sort of said, oh, I'd love to see him as Carlisle manager, but he's not going to move this he's far not enough. Come up here. No, his family's very settled. He's only a young man. He's only about 39, isn't he? Yeah. So he's not going to move all the way up here. The similar way that Tinsdale didn't move for so long at Exeter because of his family, did he? And then yeah, eventually had yeah. to because he didn't have much choice. But uh, but yeah, so there you go. That's uh, this week's episode done. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, The London Branch. And um, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, whether it's Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your pods. Just search for Brunt and Bugle. And you should be able to get the pod from there. Um, follow us on social media. That's a key thing as well. We're on that, that, That's if you ever remember to update the Facebook page. I, I promise you I will do this week. Yeah. That's a promise. So yeah, we've got a Facebook page, which I don't update very often. Uh, we've got a Twitter feed, which Dan does update quite often. Um, we've, uh, yeah, basically follow us there. We're on the Be Just on Fear Not Facebook group. Um, actually, I was going to mention about that. I forgot to mention the episode, but we won't be covering it next time anyway. But, they had a vote on there about whether people wanted Beach to stay or go. I think last time they did it, when there was issues at the start of the year, I think it was 75% in favour of him staying. This nice. time, it's about 67% in favour of him going. Yeah. So it's it's not looking great in terms of the no. fans backing for, for Beachy right now. Um, world map our listeners down. We have oh, two new countries. Both with the same letter. Indeed. Um, one of them was actually last week, and I forgot to mention it, but uh, Iceland and Israel. Yeah, there you go. We've got an Icelandic listener. Thank you to whoever you are for listening. And um, we think the Israeli may be to do with the Forest Green pod fellas. Yes, because they mentioned the fact that they'd um, they'd had a guy from Israel over in New York to um, watch the game with them. So. It may not be. It may not be. It, it, it might not be. It might not be. Shalom ch- to you. Ch- chances are it is. Shalom to our new Israeli listener. Yeah. There you go. Um, lovely place, Tel Aviv. I've mm. been. It's lovely. Yeah, never, never been myself, but I wouldn't mind going one day. Um, okay, then. I mean, upcoming episodes. We've obviously got 
the uh, preview of the Tromery Rovers game next week. And uh, we'll do a little mini episode when we head to the Newport game as well, uh, if we can fit that in. Um, we'll, we'll see what we're doing in terms of uh, availability. Um, and I need to arrange to record a couple more of the CUFC 11 ones. In fact, we'll maybe do those uh, coming up soon. Um, one thing I did forget to mention, if you've all made it this far, is actually you can watch the game this weekend against Bristol Rovers, can't you? Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, international weekend, so I follows allowed. Yeah, so basically get get yourself right. If you've uh, if you like enjoying suffering on a Saturday afternoon from the comfort of your own sofa, get yourself a ten pound paid for the uh, the match pass for the game. I've already paid for it because I'm an idiot, but there you go. I'm sure you've probably found better things to do down this weekend. Uh, well, I'm I'm working in the morning, oh, well, but uh, uh, I might be back in time to maybe pop down Carlisle City. It depends on the weather. Yeah, there you go. Dan, thanks once again for joining me. Always appreciate it. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.